You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. In the spirit of reconciliation, we are theatre acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hello, theatre fans, one and all. Welcome back to the We Are Theatre podcast. We're hitting episode number two for 2023. Um, we're recording it in 2022, but we're going to time jump a little bit. I'm here with Sam Hagen. Hey, Hi. Sam. How are you going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I am fabulous. We were just talking off camera about how um, Sam was in the first show that I kind of got into theatre on. So that whole cast is the reason I'm here today doing what I do. Um so yeah, thanks for that. I guess that's all right. My thanks, perspective. Thanks to the people who cast me, I guess. <laughs> um, let's talk about how you got into theatre. Where did you start? What was the bug that you caught that was like, "Hey, this is what I want to do." Um, I feel like there was kind of two. There was the one that you got as a kid that you were like, "Oh, I'd love to do this," and then you have one when you're a little bit older and you're like, "Oh no, I actually want to do, do this." this. <laughs> so. Like every child, I saw um, the production of Annie that was going around and I was, I think I was just about to turn eight and I'd always sung around the house and always sort of like danced around, not well, couldn't dance well, but always, you know, strong mover in my house. Um, And then I went to go and see Annie um, and I remember just sort of getting halfway through the show and just turning to my parents and just going that I want to do that <laughs> um and then you know that obviously kids aren't allowed to do eight shows a week and so they have different teams of um kids and so that like the team of orphans that I saw like 90 percent of them went to um this really teeny tiny dance school called Brent Street Studios um and I turned around to my parents and was like there I want to go there and they were like oh we created a monster um <laughs> So luckily it wasn't too far away from us and and I hadn't really picked an extracurricular at that point. So then I started doing those classes there. And then when I was probably just before I turned 12, um, it was with Brent Street. We kind of went on one of those like USA dance tour things and like we performed on a cruise ship and, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff. But we went sort of via New York to do some dance classes and we all got to pick one show that we wanted to see. uh, And that show was Wicked. And... I remember watching The Wizard and I. I had Julia Murney as my alphabet, which, I mean, come on. Um, And I remember just, I was bawling my eyes out because I just was like, oh, my God, like, 
I could play roles like this and get to do big productions like this if I was lucky enough and if I work hard enough. And I just turned to my parents and I was like, the same thing of like that, I want to do that, but like in tears, just being like, can I do this? Like, I want to make this work. And then it was just, from then on, it was just every, every part of my training was just, cool, what do I do? And how hard do I have to work to get into musical theatre? Which it turns out extremely hard, but yeah. um, but we got there. I was really um, incredibly lucky that it kind of, panned out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. If we look at that, I want to do that phase and then look Mm -hmm. at where you've just come from after finishing up a national tour as the understudy for Elsa. Yeah. How does that sit for you right now? Like looking at like. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. I think that, you know, getting into our industry and booking shows in itself is really difficult, but to be like a theater kid at heart and getting to do it is the whole other beast, I think. Um, and I just, I've always, particularly as I've gotten older, but I have always gravitated towards, um, the more difficult roles, whether they are vocally more difficult or, um, you know, they're a bit of a strained human being. Um, and every time I got to do Elsa, it was just like, I mean, the the best part is that the end of act one is just her living her best life and, and yes, there's logistics to it, but I remember walking down the dress reveal would happen and I would walk down the, like the stairs and I'd be like. You're doing it. Like it was the one moment I gave myself if I was having a great day where I would let myself sort of just not be Elsa. I kind of would combine Sam and Elsa became one (laughs) entity sometimes and they'd just be like, ah, (laughs) which was really hard because you had to think about your placement of that note because it's really difficult because you can't hear yourself. So to like slip out sometimes I was like, oh, oh, come on, come on, come on back. But constantly, I constantly, um, even running around in my ensemble track, getting to come through the gates of Arendelle and yeah. seeing all of those harmonies. I just remember some days just being like, the gates, the gates, the gates, like not <laughs> coping with this is what I get to do. It's yeah. very, it's very cool. Yeah. Like four national tours under the belt, plus a couple of other pretty big shows. Like yeah. you're killing it. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so weird. I think, um, you know, particularly now that I, like I just turned 30, which woohoo, happy to be in the 30 club. Um, and just like all of a sudden, the first couple of things that I've done are starting to roll around to like, oh, it's the 10th anniversary of this show. And like, it's about to be um, like early next year, the 10th anniversary of King Kong. And I just was like, how, wow. how did that happen 10 years ago? So like, I think my, like my sense of time is a bit warped and a bit blurred because things that I did last year feel like seven years ago and yeah. then I could you know, turn around and do Rock of Ages for you right now, even though I haven't done it in like almost 12 years now, you know, like it's just, it's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, looking at like moments like right now between contracts, how do you go from being on the road for months at a time to kind of having your own space and being able to do your own thing? What's your process of kind of settling back into life, getting prepped to potentially go back out on the road again? Um, I think, look, I think it's different off the back of every job that I do because some of them are, the tours are longer than others. Some of them are really short and sweet where you kind of don't get to the end and feel like you've been with the show long enough. So there's sort of a like, 
It sounds so dramatic, but there's like a weird grieving process. Not everybody gets it. Some people are like, see ya, and then just leave and they're totally fine. I really wish I was one of those people. Um, but I think, you know, when I was doing some shorter tours like um, Ghost and I mean, look, Kinky Boots was basically 12 months from opening to closing, yeah. quite literally we opened and closed on the same date. Um, and even after that one, I just was like, oh, I still feel like there was m more to explore, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so like, I feel like if you're sort of not, you didn't get to do the full circle with a show. Sometimes I just need to like disappear for a little bit and just yeah. be like a little bit of a, a blob and just sort of like become one with my couch. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in the last couple of years, I guess, as I've gotten older and I am sort of, you know, s wanting to have this crazy concept of work-life balance, um, <laughs> sort of I can now come home and I'm on tour getting much better at sort of resetting at the beginning of every week. So when I come home, I'm not like stumbling and just being yeah. like, I need my bed. Um, so, I mean, this time around with Frozen, I basically came home and just gave myself a week to kind of decompress and, yeah. you know, just de defrost in a weird way. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, during the pandemic, I was doing it before the pandemic, but it kind of became a, a proper thing was um, I started doing voice teaching and like performance coaching and stuff like that. So that's something I couldn't do when I was on tour. So this time around, I gave myself a week just to be like, ha. Ah, and then immediately I was like, okay, great. Now I can get back online with my students and I can start teaching people and I can see people again. Cause you know, there are some people I couldn't work out with my schedule. It's the, a fine balance between being an understudy and also trying to, you know, run a, a kind of business on the side. Yeah. And I, never got myself to the point where I couldn't do an Elsa with my workload of lessons and things like that. But it did mean that there were a lot of people I couldn't see for six months because I was like, Hey, I can only do eight lessons a week. That's all I can do. Um, so this time I just sort of came home and, and, um, ate a lot of nice food and just didn't go to the gym. And then sort of a, a week after that, I was back into it. And then, you know, also during that week, it was like audition season in, in Melbourne and Sydney. So it was just, I needed to just do nothing for the week. Um, I think a lot of the time, um, I, my body get, you get sick. It's yeah. just kind of what happens. It's like, it realizes it's at the end and your body just goes, are we done? Oh my God. And then you just kind of fall apart. Here's so everything I, we've been holding back for the last six gosh. months. <laughs> yes. Because when you get to the end of a contract, your body knows like, yeah. It's so frustrating when you're just trying to get through to the end of a contract unscathed and then all of a sudden it's like your body's like, you know that super flu that's going around? You're going to get it a week before you finish. And it's I luckily, luckily sort of kept it off. My very last day at Frozen, I was starting to be like, ooh, I'm getting something going on. And then I like hit my couch and it was just like that super flu hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and then I just, you know lay with that there's nothing you can really do and then it was like okay well auditions off we go and then i kind of just went back to being a normal human being coming out of um yeah wow mm. put on a costume and now hey we're back <laughs> this is who well, we are <laughs> and i mean also like i think this is going to be interesting i'd never had this long of a break in between seasons because i am going to singapore with frozen for six weeks which is woohoo um but all of the costumes in that show are super heavy. Like the yeah. heaviest costume that I wear um, 
I'd like to say it's the Elsa costumes. It's not. There's an ensemble costume. My opening dress weighs somewhere around like 4.7, 4.8 kilos. And then we wear these white coats over the top that are like five kilos plus. So if you've anyone seen the show, the bit where we're sort of like being like a moody dance storm in yeah. the background, we're carrying around like 11 kilos. So I have to find this. I'm going to have to find a way to sort of keep up the show training while also not being too connected to the show because I want to have a break. But yeah. I was like, I need to be able to pick 11 kilos off the ground really easily. So I've got to try and navigate, you know, continuing the strength training and stuff like that, but also not overworking myself and making sure I am getting a rest. It's going to be, you know, but we're still figuring that out. It's the first time I've had to do this. So we'll, we'll see how we go. That just hurt my brain trying to figure out how you're going to do it. So good luck. <laughs> it's quite um, Going back to like being on the road, do you have kind of, moving cities and things like that, do you have kind of rituals or things that you have now to kind of settle yourself into cities yeah. as you kind of move around, like to feel yes. like home, I guess? Yeah. Yes and no. I think my body realizes that if I'm not with my partner and my cat, if I'm not at home. I'm very much on tour. Um, but I kind of am quite a smell orientated person. I know that sounds so weird, but I have a little diffuser that goes everywhere with me and I kind of have like, a smell for the bedroom and have like a smell for the living area. So I kind of set it up so it kind of smells the same, yep. which sounds very weird. Also diffuser is good for hydration. So, you know, hashtag vocal health. Um, and then I, I have like one or two photos that I kind of have in frames that I bring that I'll put in the house or the bedroom. Um, and I just, you know, bring on my skincare. I try and bring as much normal stuff as I can in, in one suitcase. Um, and then I, a lot of my stuff lives at work, honestly. So it's more that yeah. my work desk is set up to seem like normalcy. Cause I think when you are an understudy or a swing and you're in the building constantly rehearsing, you kind of end up spending more time in the building than outside of the building. Yeah. Um, I remember in like Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth, actually, I think I like hours wise was spending more inside the theater than in my own house. If you didn't include sleep. Um, and so I kind of like to set my desk up with, I have five or six photos, which I put up in every single city. Um, I have all of the lozenges and all of the syrups and all the things. <laughs> I got a little, I bring a little coffee machine with me. Um, and then I think it's just, I guess, coming up with as a, a sense of normalcy when it comes to routine as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, for Frozen in particular, and it's kind of just going to, I guess, continue on through whatever show comes next for me. Um, I had to do strength training because, as I said before, costumes are really heavy. So it's pretty much like immediately figuring out, okay, where can I go to the gym? Where can I go and do this? Where can I go and find some Pilates classes? Is there a vocal coach in the area that I haven't seen to sort of like set myself up with my yeah. normal schedule just in a different place? Because I find that if I get up at the same time every day and I do this thing and then I go here and I go there, it feels a bit normal. more normal to me. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, looking at shows specifically, do you have a routine that you have prior to walking on stage that you kind of hit every night just to get into the swing of things? Yeah, I think, uh, which hilariously they're in front of my desk. If I don't have one of these before I go on stage, it's like my entire life flashes before my eyes. Um, they're just like a little licorice like lozenge and they don't have any menthol or propolis in it. So just like, it feels quite nice. Um, ensemble wise, I kind of just in the dressing room, like right before we get the five minute call and I go and put my wig on, I do like a little note check just to sort of like give it a quick little stretch. Cause you warm up the hour before you go on stage. And my track anyway, <laughs> 
I'm on the Alto line in Frozen, which is not an Alto line. I just want to point out, I'm still having to belt like an E flat <laughs> in the Alto line. Um, so I just make sure I've kind of got a little bit of vocal stretching and then I go and fill up my water bottle. Ensemble wise, it's sort of, I feel better as a pre-show routine to like check in with my castmates and sort of say hi to everybody and, um, you know, visit a few people. Um, but for Elsa, it was like, I had my warm up and then I did this and I put the wig on. And the only thing I really did was um, she sets behind the doors of her bedroom and as Anna starts to sing um, the slow bit and um, I would just stand behind her. It's something I've always done and I, I couldn't tell you how it started or why it started, but I literally just put my hands on my chest and close my eyes and I do three really deep inhales and exhales and I kind of inhale something good and exhale something stressful and or bad. So if I'm having a bit of a... Uh, you know, I can feel that my neck's a bit gross. I can kind of go, you know, like inhale health, exhale injury, um, you know, inhale, inhale positivity, exhale negativity. And I kind of just give myself three breaths. And then the second that I go open my eyes, I'm like, okay, let's go. And then I put my hands down and then the walls come up and that's, that's kind of it. That's sick. Mm. I love that. Um, let's look at kind of putting things into the universe. Mm -hmm. um, if there was one show that, you wish could come to Australia next week, what would it be that you could be a part of that casting? I think, um, I don't know. This is a hard one to answer because I feel <laughs> like deep down, I want it to be something new. Yeah. I want it to be something that hasn't even been created yet that I can't even see that right. I would get to be a part of and create a character from scratch. Yeah. Um, and sort of be a part of that process. I've done some smaller, like new musical works and been a part of some workshops and building characters and singing brand new songs. And it was like very, very cool. Um, the one that I'm like, they keep hinting that it's coming and it keeps not coming is Bombshell. I would love to do that. Um, yeah. And as soon as I, um, you know, everyone heard Let Me Be Your Star and was like, oh my God. So. I feel like that's always been one because it's kind of had this mystery around it about whether it was actually going to be turned into a Broadway musical or whether they were just going to get the show and do like concerts and stuff. And then I think yeah. it was like last year when we were all in lockdown and, and they kind of announced that they were turning Bombshell into a musical and they were doing like a workshop and stuff like that. I just was like, oh, that would be so Hello. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be Marilyn. That would be amazing. Um, speaking of COVID, what was that like for you? And what was your kind of internal turmoil that we all went through with it sucked it was yeah. it sucked like there's no other <laughs> way to describe it i think i on days i think i was much better than other people and then i on other days everyone had their bad ones but i think there was this i got a little bit consumed by this weird guilt that i still had a job and i know that sounds like the silliest thing in the world but particularly in that um the big first lockdown they just kind of delayed frozen and they were like hang tight like you know there were a few of us that they were like we know that you need to kind of keep the vocals up so we'll organize some lessons for you and like disney was kind of incredible to be like we're not we're not standing you down we're not canceling your contracts we're just pushing it back and i remember just watching so many of my friends being like they've canceled the run of the show or they've canceled our contracts this is gone yeah. this is gone this is gone and so many things just didn't make it back. And I remember being in lockdown, not the first one, the second one more when we were in Melbourne, like we 
quite literally opened and then we did one show yeah. the next day and then we were out for like four, almost four and a half months. And I remember it felt weird knowing that like I had no idea if we were going to get back to work at this point we'd already been stood down and we'd already had lots of COVID setbacks so we were like is this the final one and they just going to call it one day and say yeah you're out but I remember just feeling bad that I I had work and I think that like in retrospect I'm like what you're an idiot like don't yeah. why are you why are you feeling I understand why I felt bad about that but like I don't think it was really on me to feel guilty but i think because everybody was stuck in their houses and couldn't really escape it everyone's minds got all twisted and you kind yeah. of started thinking things that you've never thought before and i just remember being like i feel so bad and you know i immediately was like yes government i will go and take those 20 therapy sessions for <laughs> the people during covid which was really super helpful yeah um and i i had a friend luckily who kind of moved into my 5k during that time and so i ended up having someone around but yeah. um i th i think it was just a, like an, an impending sense of doom and i remember thinking that and i still think we're seeing it now i remember just going god this is going to break theater for a while because i just went producers obviously are not making any money because yeah. no one's buying tickets or they're having to refund tickets which means that they're either not going to bring shows here because people overseas are going to be like, well, what's the point if they're going to keep locking down? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when shows do start back up, it's going to be the same thing of nobody has any money, which means that people are going to re-sign these jobs or sign on for new contracts and the producers are going to have to turn around and say, we literally can't afford to pay you more than minimum wage. Yeah. And I was like, well, then we're going to start seeing performers – you know, like they do on Broadway and the West End where they're going to, everyone's going to have to get second jobs because yeah. we're not being paid enough money. And I just sort of, I remember watching this spiral and there are still some shows that, you know, have been cast recently um, and they're just like, yeah, I'm getting paid like yeah. two thirds of what I was getting paid before, but I want to work and I need to make money. And so I was just worried about this cycle kind of continuing and it seems to be, Shows that have been cast in the last couple of months, not so bad because I think they understand that it's coming back. But I remember just yeah. being like, oh, this is going to be a – it was a massive setback and it's still affecting shows now, which yeah. sucks. It sucks. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. On a happier note, um, I just got really emotional thinking about it myself because I was at the first night that you guys came back after COVID. Oh, my gosh. That was – that was it's, not oh, okay. I'm, like, crying thinking about yeah, this, guys. Yeah, we, like, <laughs> so were we. Like, I remember oh. – we came through the, like we, the show started and I think maybe I want to say like 50 or 60% of the people that were in the audience were people who had specifically bought tickets for this performance, knowing yeah. it was the first one. And then yeah. there was a big chunk of people that just had their tickets relocated and were like, cool, we're going on this day. Yeah. And probably would have been looking around audience members being like, oh. are, you, are you crying? It's just the opening. <laughs> but I remember so vividly, like it only happened probably on maybe an opening night but kind of happened on all of our closing nights in cities where all of the yeah. all of the theater fans would come to watch as the little uh young anna and young elsa would finish singing their song and the wall would come up and reveal the ensemble and i remember the wall coming up and they maybe saw about this much of our dresses and immediately oh. everyone was <laughs> applauding and screaming and we all tried to sing and i remember <laughs> i remember hearing my castmate jamie lee behind me just go na na he 
(laughs) (laughs) And we all were just going, once there was a family, because we were so moved that not only were we back at work, but everybody needed to see the show again. And then the same thing happened when we all came through the gates. Like, I remember our musical director the next day was like, yeah, I know you're all really emotional, but like, <laughs> let's maybe just try and get some notes out next time. My whole row like grabbed each other as soon as we yeah. heard that first note. We all like grabbed, we were all sobbing. Yeah, like, and even in the overture, because the men start oh, and it's this yeah. big na 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 hey na. You hear and that, and everyone was like, "Lord from oh. the front." And that rarely happens because over, <laughs> it's only people who know the show yeah. know what's happening. And so people were like, in anticipation, we're already applauding. And we were yeah. like, oh, this is going to be hard. And I remember even, you know, we do our ensemble bows and we turn around and Courtney and Jem meet in the middle and sort of walk down and do their bows as Elsa and Anna. And I remember so vividly just the two of them, like looking at each other, <sighs> just being like, thank God we're back. And I saw yeah. both of them at the same time get like, really teary and I just they just did their bows and you know because we all hold each other's hands and we're all really close I remember you know we did our bow and the curtain went down and the second the curtain hit the deck we all just kept dancing but we were all crying at the same time it was like the strangest sensation but it's one of those things that you're like I don't think that's really ever going to happen again it was insane and you just had to like trying to explain it to people who weren't in that building that night like yeah you just people can imagine it to a certain extent and then you're just like "Mm, it just there was (laughs) even the buzz like in the foyer everyone was like it's back like we're back like as theater fans everyone was like it's back and like you just oh it was oh yeah, I mean, waiting 120 days to do something, you were just like, come on, let's yeah. go. Like, <laughs> we're all ready. Lovely. Um, Sam, that pretty much brings us to the end. We're going to end on a yes. really happy note there. Yeah. <laughs> happy emotional. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't – my brain's just gone blank, so we're going to wrap it up there. Yeah. Right. Happy days, Sounds- guys. Welcome back. We're fi- stumbling through the first couple of episodes, but we're back. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for coming on, Sam. I appreciate you and I cannot wait to see you in whatever you do next. Um, as always, I will be there. Um, but yeah, guys, we will be back next fortnight with a brand new episode of the We Are Theatre Podcast. Bye. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 